Blog Talk Radio. Transformation Radio, changing the world one perspective at a time. I'm your host. Welcome to Perspective Transformation Radio, changing the world one perspective at a time. I'm your host, Marnie Sleberg, and during this hour, you'll discover the backstories behind some of today's most transformational quotes. Feel free to share these quotes. Go ahead and use them in your articles, blogs, or books. Just give attribution to the author. You can learn more at www.perspectivetransformation.com. Now let's get going. Mimi Majerus has been teaching biblical truths for over a decade. As an intercessor and prophetic voice, she speaks bold confidence over insecurities, encouraging the faith of those who hear her speak. Learn more by clicking on California at www.womenspeakers.com or at her own website, mimimajoras.com. It's M-I-M-I-M-A-J-E-R-U-S dot com. Let's welcome Mimi now. Welcome to you, Mimi. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. The outcome of my obedience is his responsibility. The outcome of my obedience is his responsibility. He's been teaching me that for the last couple of years. Basically, by hearing his voice in scripture, in prayer, and then doing what it is he's he's told me to do and that he's calling me to do, which is always loving with his love. But when I step out and I am obedient to that, the outcome of what happens is his responsibility. Whether it's speaking to somebody in a Starbucks or in a grocery store or praying for someone on the street or whatever it is he's, he's moving me to do in that moment. I think we get caught up sometimes in um, worrying about what's going to happen when we step out in obedience. And being um, just confident in the fact that when we are obedient to him, what happens after that is his responsibility. His word says he draws all people by his spirit. And so when we carry his spirit, we, we can kind of remove ourselves from the equation in a way, in our obedience, knowing that um, it's all up to him. He just wants us to partner with him in what he's doing. It yeah. just makes it so possible to just go forward and not really worry about what the results are going to be. It's real different. It's real different than how we're programmed to work normally. Normally, you know, I'm driving the vehicle, therefore it is my responsibility of where the car goes, um, you know, that the car gets us to our destination. But when we're being obedient to Christ, a lot of times the outcome you know, you look at Stephen, the martyr in the New Testament, a lot of times the outcome doesn't look really great. It often looks really bad, but it's exactly what was called for in the moment. And we don't have to worry about that part. I love that. And it is, I like to say, it's really freeing. I'm learning to navigate the victory. I am learning to navigate the victory. I was um, washing dishes at my sink one day and not really thinking about anything specific. And I felt like I heard the Lord say to me, Mimi, I'm teaching you how to navigate the victory. You know, there's times in a believer's life when we pray for something and we contend for things and we stand on his promises for things. And then when we see it come to fruition, when we see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, 
you know, sometimes I feel like we get so used to contending for things or, or praying for things that we never think about what it's going to look like when he answers in his goodness. And in those moments, it's like you're looking at whole new territory. And I just felt like he was saying to me, you know, Mimi, you've prayed for this thing, this thing in my life that I've been praying for for a really long time. And here I was standing at the precipice of, of him answering in his goodness. And he was showing me that walking through victory is as important as believing for victory. And how we walk through something can mean victory for generations to come. I want my kids to see um, me walk through things victoriously. In Christ, we already have victory, right? So we're not, we're not walking to earn victory. We already have it. But in certain areas, we have to walk through victory well, because it is like in Psalms where it says he picked me up out of a pit and he put me in a spacious place. Sometimes when you're in that spacious place, you have to just kind of go, okay, now, now what do I do? I mean, we rejoice, we thank him, but there's still a walking through it. And I want to walk through it well. I think of examples in the Bible, like Noah after the flood didn't walk through it well. And yeah. there's other examples in the Bible of people who didn't walk through it well. And I compare it to being being in the heat of the battle compared to being back in the bunkhouse. That's how my, my brain thinks about it. You know, yeah. the battle's over, you're back in the bunkhouse, you let your hair down, you relax. And sometimes that's not a good thing. Sometimes you need to keep standing, keep on guard for your heart um, that you don't give up what God just one for you. Second uh, Corinthians, it talks about, um, he leads us in triumph. Yeah. He leads us victoriously in triumph. Mm -hmm. And it is like leaving a sweet perfume of the knowledge. But when others see us walk through victory too, I want them in my life to see him, to have that sweet fragrance of Jesus, the knowledge of Jesus in my victory. Courage is obedience in the face of fear. Courage is obedience in the face of fear. And I have been in so many situations in my life where I had that split second moment to take courage or to walk in fear. And I remember when the Lord told Moses in Deuteronomy, um, take courage. It was something he was offering Moses. And then he repeated it again to Joshua. Um, he said, take courage for I'm with you wherever you go. I feel like a lot of times we try to muster up the courage in our own strength instead of realizing that it's something that the Lord is offering us. He's giving us his courage. And when we grab hold of that, um, we can be confident in where we are going and how we're walking, knowing that he's with us, but also knowing that he's the one that we draw our courage from. Courage is very rarely without the element of fear. It wouldn't be courage if there was no fear involved in it. <laughs> you know? exactly. You don't need courage to do something that doesn't have a fear. No. And being obedient, being obedient to to walk it out confident with God kind of flies in the face of fear. That's how I want to live. It's just all about, it's all about recognizing back to the point one that you had is that it's really God's responsibility. Therefore, whatever reality I'm facing, God is terrifying. Yeah. It's okay because I'm in Christ. Exactly. And just holding on to that knowledge and being obedient. It is what overcomes the fear. Even if we're walking even if you, you can still walk afraid, but you're walking. God wants to make himself known. If you are marked by his spirit, you will not remain anonymous for long. 
you won't remain anonymous for long. It's so funny. I remember one day um, walking into the grocery store and really feeling like the Lord had wanted me to pray with this elderly woman that was in the store. And so I walked up to her and I thought I would be able to just be obedient, do what the Lord wanted me to do, pray with her, um, just encourage her and, and be able to get out <laughs> kind of, of the store. I was like, I'm being obedient, God. And now I'm just going to kind of like, you know, tiptoe away. And God's got such a great sense of humor. Um, when I walked up to her, she was a complete stranger. And I walked up to her and I said, I feel like the Lord wants me to pray with you and just let you know how much he loves you today. And I was just going to give her this word that the Lord had given me for her. And of course, she's hard of hearing. And so I couldn't stay anonymous. I had to actually yell my prayer to her. Oh no! It was it was like I was speaking loudly, and then I had to keep speaking louder because she really wanted me to pray with her. I mean, the Lord is so great at how He pursues a heart, and He doesn't care where it's at or where you're at or or if it's going to make you feel foolish in it. Because if you carry His Spirit, you don't stay anonymous because He wants to be known. And so um, we're his representative. And so it, 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 he's being known, but at the same time, you are at the same, you are as well. And it's, it's, um, it was hilarious, but it was beautiful. It was the most beautiful encounter. And um, I walked away from that. And I just felt like the Lord had said to me, you know, Mimi, you wanted to be anonymous, but I don't want to be anonymous on this earth. Right. And you carry my spirit. And that means you're not going to be anonymous. And I feel like we have to get used to being seen, but knowing that it's really him that's being seen. Right, right. That whole flow through vessel concept where yeah. he flows it to us first and then he flows it through us, but we are part of that process. <laughs> yeah, got <it>. yeah, exactly. <laughs> one of my sisters, Marla, one of her favorite lines, and I, I always think of this in situations like that, is I'd rather look like a fool than miss an opportunity to be used by God. You know, just this uh, willingness to do whatever it is and not worry about the outcome. When there is no strength left, even the whisper of his name is like a roar in heaven. The whisper of Jesus' name is a roar in heaven. And it just comes back to his grace is sufficient for us. And in our weakness, his power is made perfect. There was a really rough time I was going through in the last couple of years. And I had been at a conference and there was worship that was just, exploding into the atmosphere and the worship leader said let's just lift the name of jesus over every circumstance shout his name over cancer over divorce over lost loved ones over every circumstance in your life and just declare his name over it i remember i was standing in the back of the auditorium and i was just witnessing this happen and the whole crowd was roaring his name and I was feeling weary and I was tired and I'd been walking for a really long time through a situation and I just didn't have the strength left. And I, I, I heard the Lord whisper to me, Mimi, just whisper my name because when you whisper my name, it's like a roar in heaven. And I just felt so known and so seen by him in that moment. You know, the way a parent knows the voice of their child and can hear their cry a room filled with other kids. That's how I felt at the moment. And I just knew that he was everything that I needed in that moment that I didn't have to shout that I could whisper his name.
I've never heard that before or thought of it at all, that whispering the name of Jesus was like a roar in heaven. That's really, it's really an amazing concept. I'm still kind of, you know, incubating that a little bit. Did you think about it more after you left that day? I did. I thought about it a lot. I, I just felt like, well, his name is above all names. Anything that tries to set, set itself up against the knowledge of God, um, we can pull down and make obedient to Christ. But sometimes I feel like we try to do that with a, a loudness to us when yeah. really we don't need to. It is the whisper of his name. And he's just been reaffirming that and reaffirming that. Yeah, I didn't say he didn't say shout my name. He just said his name was above all names. My number one go to all the time is the name of Jesus. Whenever I feel any kind of exhilaration or fear or anxiety, yeah. I just start saying the name of Jesus. And I kind of tease around a little bit that sometimes it's too intense and I can't get two syllables out. So I start with God, 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 God. <laughs> but honestly, there's so much power just in the name of Jesus. There is power in that name, just saying that name, just claiming that name. Yeah, everything it stands for is so powerful. And like you say, you don't have to shout it. And shouting it is fine sometimes. That's exactly what we should do. But a lot of times just whispering it or even just the thought of the name can just comfort me. Just, you know, that he's here with me, that whole presence, you know, the conscious. You know, it's always like, I always like to think, you know, he's always here with me. It's not like he's not here with me if I'm not thinking of it. But there's something that happens when we bring it to our conscious awareness from the depths of our, you know, reality or knowingness, we bring it to the conscious level. And that's when it really has the power to really help us in our conscious level. Yeah. When we declare his name over situation, like they were doing, and we say his name over situation, it's the mindset that we're, that we're setting, you know, it says that we have the mind of Christ. And so it's pulling that forward over the human thinking that we have sometimes over situations um, and looking at it, from a heaven's perspective, and that switches everything. And so whether it's thinking it or whispering it or declaring it, or it's it's the mindset of putting him in his rightful place as Lord over that situation. I, I love the verse where every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And there's a song that there's a verse uh, line in it that I love the most. It says, and there's a special blessing reserved for those who do that today. You know, so yeah, at the end, every single person is going to do it willingly or against their will. It's all going to, it's, everyone's going to recognize that Jesus totally deserved that place yeah. of honor and glory that God's given him. But we have the opportunity to choose that today. And that's absolutely amazing. Mimi, thank you so much for thank being here. Thank you for having me. It was and great. You, uh, and you guys want to check out Mimi's speaking ministry. You can do that at womenspeakers.com. If you click on California, you're going to see her right there. She's in Sandra Rosa. Otherwise, her website is Mimi and then her last name is Majerus. I-M-I-M-A-J-E-R-U-S. Mimi Majerus.com. And um, she's got topics over there and references. Uh, I think you can check out on her website. Dee Tripp is a speaker, author, and Bible teacher who loves sharing the truths of God's Word. Her desire is to encourage others by sharing alive and uplifting scriptures with them. You can learn more about her at her website, DeeDeeTripp.com, or over at WomenSpeakers.com under Florida. Let's welcome Dee now. I'm so glad to be here. This is exciting. Stupid, stubborn goats. Stupid, 
stubborn goats. And let me tell you, they can be very stupid and very mm -hmm. stubborn. I love my goats, but I refer to them that way so often because their lives are an example to me of my life and of people's in general. For example, when we first got goats a few years ago, we have what's called the Grand Dam, you know, the Grand Dam. She's the leader mm -hmm. of the herd. We had to give them shots and tag their ears for medical purposes and tracking purposes. And I knew they weren't going to like it, but she got mad. She pouted for almost a week. Her, goats are herd animals and they like to be with the herd. So, but she went into the pen by herself, stood with her head in the corner, would not look at me, would not come into the feeding room to be fed. I've had to lure her in there with saltine crackers. I fed her, and then instead of hanging around to get petted and loved on like she normally would, she would go tear it off out into the field all by herself. She completely isolated herself because she was mad at pouting. And it dawned on me, that's how I act sometimes with God. If things don't go the way I want them to go, or if I'm upset or mad at God about something, I pout. Maybe I don't go get fed with his word. I will withdraw from him and other Christians, the people around me. Maybe I won't go to church because I'm pouting. Or if I do go to church, it's only because that's what I'm supposed to do. So do I really think I'm hurting God by not doing those things? Do I really think that that's accomplishing anything? No. It's just like Pippi wasn't hurting me by not coming in to get fed. She wasn't hurting me by not coming in to get loved on and not hanging around with us and the other herd. The only one she was hurting was herself. And I realized that God has no plans for harm for me. Jeremiah 29, 11 says that I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to give you a hope in the future. That was the same thing I was caring for Pippi. I was taking care of Pippi, but she pouted and she got mad. How often do I pout and get mad with God? And that has just been such an example. Goats are great examples of how stupid and stubborn people can be as well. Let me tell you. The next one is a little different, but sort of like it. Don't be a dickin. Don't be a dickin. Well, we have a farm. So we have a goat farm, we have chickens, and we have ducks. Well, my granddaughter um, hatched some chicken eggs. So we had five chickens. And at the same time at school, she was ha they hatched the duck eggs. So she brought a duck home to my farm, which were the same age as those chickens. Well, at first, they didn't like each other. So they were in separate pens. But the duck bonded with me initially, and would, I would let it out of its pen, and I would walk it down to the creek so it could do duck things, you know, swim and play and splash in the water. Well, after a few days, it started bonding with the chickens, and it quit following me, and it started acting like a chicken, and I would have to chase it and catch it in order to take it to the creek. I, once I got out of sight of the chickens, I could put it down, and it would follow me again. But then a few more days later, it would have nothing to do with it. I brought it to the water. It acted like it was poison and it jumped out of the water and went running back to the chickens. On the other hand, the chickens, I had two chickens that I guess thought it was a duck because it would get in the little bucket of water that I had up there for the duck and they drowned. So that was terrible. But the thing that that reminded me of and made me feel like, and that's what I tell my husband all the time is don't be a dickhead. Or, you know, my grandkids and things like that, don't be dickens because they're not ducks and they're not chickens, but the duck acts like the chickens and the chickens act like the ducks. Unfortunately for the chickens, it's fatal. But with the duck, it made me reminded of the scripture in Romans 12 too. Don't to the world, but be 
transformed by the renewing of your mind. When the duck was around the chickens, it became a chicken. And at the very least, we, we conform to bad, bad ways. We, we run away from God leading us to steal waters. We, we run away from his caring hand when we hang out with the world that we left behind. The people, you know, there's nothing, the Bible says that we should be in the world, but not of the world. You know, so we need to be who God has called us to be, not to run away from what he's prepared for us. And at the very worst, it can be fatal when we do that. <laughs> if we try to be a duck and we're not a duck, then it's fatal. If we try to be a chicken and we're not a chicken, it can be really detrimental to our health. Don't be a chicken. <laughs> his strength, his shield, my help. When I first became a Christian, I came out of a life of heavy drug use and partying, um, just really wild living. I was a chain smoker, cussed worse than any sailor you'd ever want to hear. So as a brand new Christian trying to leave that lifestyle, I was at a crisis point um, of struggle and, and difficulty when my kids were going to vacation Bible school. And I was, a, I was almost ready to give up. I was just so withdrawing from everything. And I was about to give up, and my kids brought home their memory verse for the week at Vacation Bible School, which was Psalms 28-7. And it said that the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. And that actually got me through the wisdom that I was going through. I could hold on to that scripture and know that God was my strength and my shield. And then all through my Christian life, every time I'm struggling with something difficult, God shows me in his word that he is my strength. He is my shield. He is my portion. So, you know, years later, as I was um, really struggling from, I've had like 10 shoulder surgeries. And so I was really struggling with depression and, and confusion and difficulty. And, and again, the Lord showed me in Psalm 73, 26, that, you know, my body may grow weak and my strength may fail, but the Lord remains my strength forever. You know, so that was really powerful to me that no matter how long you've been a Christian, God can remind you, come to me, I'm, I'm your strength, trust in me, walk with me. Yeah, no matter what we're going through, he is our, he is our rock. I say that a lot, a lot in the morning, you are my rock and my safe place for your yes. name to lead me and show me the way. Didn't he tell you, just take his word for it. Also in my early Christian years, I didn't know that it's normal to occasionally go through what we call a dry spell. Um, and I had been praying and praying and praying and praying, and I just felt no, no presence with me like I had been feeling up to that point. And because I came from such a sinful lifestyle, I thought, you know, Lord, did you, did you give up on me? Where are you? Why have you why have you left? Where'd you go? You know, I've confessed every sin I can think of that I've committed. What happened? Where are you? You know, and I felt like my prayers were bouncing off the ceiling. Um, so one afternoon I laid down to take a nap and I was praying those things, you know, Jesus, why, what did I do? Have I not confessed something? Where are you? Why did you leave me? And I fell asleep praying that prayer. And I dreamed that Jesus walked into my room and sat down on the corner of my bed. And I just, all I, stupid me, all I said was, oh, you are here instead of asking him all kinds of questions that we can ask him, you know, but I said, you are here. And what he told me in that dream was, didn't I tell you I would be? And so I thought, wow. And when I woke up and I thought, you know, 
The Bible tells us that. He tells us, didn't I tell you that I would never leave you or forsake you? Didn't I tell you that I love you? Didn't I tell you that I died to pay for your sins? Didn't I tell you that um, I'm with you always? Didn't I tell you that anyone who believes will live again? Didn't I tell you that no one can snatch you out of my hand? Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you? There are promises all through God's word. All we have to do is believe what he told us and hold on to that. I mean, that's all it is. Just take him for it. Take him at his word for it. You know, trust his word. Didn't I tell you? I think we have more faith in circumstances than we do in God. Yes, you are absolutely right. We let the circumstances control our thought life instead of God's word controlling our thought life. Yeah, and dictate to us who he must be then uh, from our limited perspective. Well, if this is happening, then he must be blank, whatever that blank is, instead of saying, no matter if this is happening, he is still, you know, all the things that the Bible tells us that he is. Right. All all through my Christian life now, every time I start to rely on my feelings, you know, because our feelings are fickle. And so we can never trust our feelings. And I always say, no, what does God's word say? Your feelings don't matter, Dee Dee. It's what God's word says is what matters. Chase away the birds of prey. When God, chasing away the birds of prey came to me when I first knew that God had called me into a speaking ministry. Um, I went to a speaker's training conference and we had to prepare a five minute talk to um, present to a group of women. And so in my talk, I had prayed about it and prayed about it and prayed about what the Lord wanted me to bring. And this scripture came, jumped out of the book, out of the God's word at me, which was in Genesis chapter 15. And it's where Abram is preparing the sacrifice for the covenant that God is making with him. And he divides the, the sacrifice in half. And God is for God to walk through the sacrifices. And in that scripture, at the very last part of that passage, which is in verse 11, it said that he had to chase away the vultures. So it being jumping, jumping out at me like it did, I was like, why did God put that in there? Who cares if he had to chase away vultures? Well, it just really hit me that when we go into ministry or any kind of service for the Lord, we are bringing God an offering and we have to protect that offering from the attacks of Satan. We have to protect what we're presenting before the Lord. And so I took that message to the conference thinking, okay, these people who are going into a speaking ministry or a women's ministry, they need to know this. They need to know that this is what God has to say. So I did my presentation and, you know, you've been to those conferences before. You have to evaluate each other's talks and, and things. And so we did that. But I just, everyone else had such powerful messages. I thought, oh, my gosh, my message stinks. It's terrible. And so after the group session ended, I wouldn't even read the evaluations because I just knew they were going to be terrible. I wouldn't look at them. I had made up my mind that after the mess- after the service that night, I was going to pack my bags and go home early because I had no business being there. But I sat down in my room and I made myself look at those responses and they were glowing and raving and just how much God's word had touched their heart just through that five minute presentation and how they needed to hear that. And I thought, God, you really used it. But oh my gosh, I let I let exactly what I was warning them about affect me. I was letting Satan steal what I had prayerfully brought before you, God. I'm so sorry. So that's something that I've remembered all these years. And I've tried to tell other people that I've mentored and and helped and taught 
that you are bringing an offering before the Lord, don't let the devil take that away from you. Don't let the enemy snatch that. Those are vultures that are coming after you. So chase away the bird to prey. When we have those doubts, which all of us have from time to time, anybody that's ever stepped out in any way to do something for Jesus, it's like, it was so scary and intimidating and it felt bad or it felt good or whatever, but it is what it is. And then to just run it back to Jesus and say, so what do you think about it, Jesus? Yes. What do you think about it? And that's happened so many times. Even sometimes um, if the evaluation forms came back poorly, you know? Yeah. Um, that time he let them minister grace to your heart. But sometimes you'll have, you receive a poor evaluation from something. And it's just always the same response. Just run it to Jesus. And what does yeah. he want you to see in this? What does he want you to learn from it? When in doubt, I'm in good company. I had been having, I think it was after my eighth shoulder surgery, I, I went through a long period of depression because I've prayed so long for healing. And when I didn't receive that healing, you know, I would question, you know, why God? And, and then also I would say, you know, well, I know that you exist, God. So that's not an issue, but do you not love me? I mean, it was just a really deep depression and um, just a lot of questions and doubts. But I knew that God existed. And because of my past experience, I knew that my strength, my source of strength was in God and his word. So I would still make myself read the Bible every day, searching for help of some kind, some kind of answer to my issue. And but I would just be reading words. You know, I was just reading words because I knew it was what I was supposed to be doing and what I needed to be doing. But I wasn't getting anything until I came across this one passage I was reading in Matthew chapter 28. And when I got to verse 17, all of a sudden, just reading words stopped and the scripture actually jumped off the page at me. And that verse says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. That was when the disciples had been called to the Mount of Olives to more or less say goodbye to Jesus as he ascended into heaven. They had walked with him for three years. They had seen all of his miracles firsthand, up close and personal. They saw him dead. And then they saw him risen again. But yet some of them doubted. Wow. I wasn't a bad person because I was having doubts. I wasn't a horrible sinner because I was having doubts. God was showing me it's okay. You can have doubts just as long as you're coming to the right source for the answers. It's okay to question things. Just go to God for those, that, the, the answers that you're searching for. And oh my goodness. The more I looked into it, the more people in the Bible I saw that had doubts and questions. God didn't reject them for that. God loved them all the more. I often think of Gideon and how God was just so willing to, you know, do fleece for him and give him signs all the way along when he'd asked him to do something. And I don't ever, I don't think that God looked down on him for asking. I think God was happy that he asked god instead of going around to all the people around him and saying well what do you think do you think this is a good idea should we really go into battle with just 300 guys what do you think he kept on going back to god and i think that's the distinguishing difference yes absolutely god doesn't mind us asking questions just as long as we come to him <laughs> right ask him ask him for the answers Judy, this has been great uh thank you so much for joining me well, thank you, Marty. This has been wonderful. I've certainly enjoyed it. And I, uh, just God bless you and your ministry. You have just really touched a lot of lives. Oh, thank you. And you guys can learn more about Dee, Dee over at womenspeakers.com. Uh, you can click on Florida and she'll show up right near the top there. Otherwise, you can go to her website, which is her name, D-E-E-D-Y-T-R-I-P-P 
www.dtrip.com, dttrip.com. Beth Bingaman is a follower of Jesus Christ. She is an author and speaker called by God to teach his word. She lives in Reading, Pennsylvania with her husband, and you can click on Pennsylvania at womenspeakers.com to learn more about her or at her own website, www.bethbingaman.com. Welcome, Beth. Thank you, Marnie. I'm really happy to be here. The God of the universe is right here with me. This was an amazing truth that the Lord revealed to me in an answer to prayer that he was there. He was speaking to me. The answer wasn't all that pretty. He was showing me sin, but it was something I had specifically asked him to do. And in that moment, I understood that he was right there with me. It was, it was a life-changing moment. He was real. I love that about God. And as we get to know him better, as we get to trust him more, we are more aware of this uh, very personal, real being that's right exactly. here with us. Yeah, I love it. I love it. In fact, I think the way for me, one of my best illustrations of how real he is to me is in the area of secrets. So when somebody tells you a secret, they couldn't not tell somebody. They had to tell somebody. So they told you. Now they expect you not to tell somebody. But the reality <laughs> is, reality is that we all have to tell somebody, right? So that's a big effect on you. But the reality for me is that when somebody tells me a secret, I have someone real to tell it to Jesus. Amen. Yes. And he's just as real as like telling it to you, Beth. And that's kind of where we get with him in our walk is that he's just as real as another person who would be right beside us or right across from us. It's occurring to me as you speak, too, that he will tell us what to do with that secret. Right. Is that a secret we need to go back to that person about, or is it one we can just yeah. keep with him in our heart and never address it again? Right. He right. is very personal. Janet Perez Eccles is blind, and she travels the world, but sometimes she goes by herself, and I'm like, well, how, how do you do that? You're blind. How do you travel around the world by yourself? And she goes, well, I'm not really by myself. Jesus is with me. And I'm like, I know, I know, but you know. That's a strong faith. I know, right. She goes, no, see, I have this advantage. I can't see who's beside me, even when it's a human. So to me, it's so different. I know, right? So it takes this whole, he's right here with me, to a whole different level of like, okay, my faith is not there yet. Right. right. <laughs> I want it to be there. But I love that. That is so beautiful. God really does give us what we need before we need it. This was one of those times when you are just, you're so hurt and you're so crushed. Your, your child is hurt. My son was on the receiving end of a fork in his eye. And if the Lord had brought me to faith about six months prior to this. Mm. And it was a family picnic. It was a big accident, but, you know, it was just one of those times when God just held me up through that time wow. and I couldn't believe it. And as I looked back on that years later, I thought, wow, he did that for me before I was going to need to have that strength to know this wasn't the worst thing that could ever happen. You know, he wasn't going to die, that the Lord was going to help me be strong through this. And so that was one of those things that has lasted for me forever. I just look back and I think, I'll give it to me before I need it. Wow, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. my, my mom tells the story of my dad after his open heart surgery, and he was in 
such excruciating pain, just terrible. And they were both just out there with them. They didn't know what to do. And um, they, she just laid her head down on the side of the bed and she prayed and she said, God, send Harry. And that was my dad's brother who lived five hours away. And um, they both kind of fell asleep just like for 20 minutes or so. And when they woke up, Harry and his that were walking in the door. And that was impossible, of course, because she prayed the prayer and they were five hours away. Right. He told the story of being at home in Sioux Falls. They were going to come the next day or the day after. And he just said, we got to go right now. And how, you know, again, God's got this thing going. He asks us to ask so that we know to thank him when it, it comes about, that we know it was him. But honestly, he's working it way before we're aware. Of right. That. And isn't, doesn't he make it obvious to us through that? He she was like, wait a minute. You had to be on the road when I prayed that prayer. It's a fabulous gift. It is. Right. So how did it turn out with your son? Does, does he have vision? or? He, that's his good eye now. In God's greatness, um, there are two men in the world that know how to do the surgery that it took to correct that. One is in South Africa, and he was taught by the doctor in Norristown, Pennsylvania, an hour away from us. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> right. So uh, that took until he was 18. He had to become an adult. And so for 10 years, he did not have vision in that eye. Wow. But they kept it up, and he, he that's his good eye now, he says. What yeah. a story. What a story. Yeah. Every law of God was given to us for his glory and my good. This started with a book that I read on health. And it started with, I, I must have been questioning some things in my mind. And this book talked about how little boys in the Old Testament, God said they were to be circumcised on the eighth day of life. And what I learned in this book is that it takes the first seven days of life for vitamin K, which is our uh, coagulant vitamin in us, to form in the body. So that is a protective law that God gave to save these little boys from bleeding to death. And it just opened my eyes to the fact that God only gives us a law because it's good for us. We don't know all that. We can't see all that. I mean, think about that in biblical times. Nobody was thinking about a coagulant, yeah. right? So now we have all of this information that confirms for us that what God's law says, he doesn't change yesterday, today, forever. So that law is for our good. And when we obey it, we receive blessing. That is one of those fabulous truths. Like it's for my good. And then I'm going to get a blessing because I obeyed it. What a God. What a great God. I love that too perspective because so many people feel like God is the big party pooper. You know, it's like, yes, right. Just making things hard and everything. But actually, if we looked at every single law, it's either for my good or it's for the good of people around me. Which Um, he will ultimately work for my good. That's what he tells us. Yeah. And just having that perspective brings so much more peace again and faith that he loves me. And that whatever's happening to me uh, is, is through his loving hands, even though it may not feel good at the time. Hard words do not have to be harsh words. Wow, I really like this one. I am not always the most genteel person in the world. And I was speaking and a really, really, really good friend of mine was 
part of the group that I was teaching, and I was hitting abortion really, really hard. And she came up and she slid this little note down over my podium that said, please be sure to tell them that there is no sin God can't forgive. Hard words do not have to be harsh words. We can always give the truth because we have a merciful, gracious God. That is part of the truth that adds up against every sin that we commit. And I I'm so appalled by abortion that sometimes I forget to give, and I don't anymore. She taught me well, (laughs) but that was just, it was such a good thing for me to have someone who loves me come up and say, Beth, you're doing that thing that you do. And I love to give the truth of the scripture, but the truth of the scripture isn't just that God will punish sin. It's that he will forgive the repenting sinner. And so that is, um, that's something I have to teach. It's, I can't just teach half of it. Right. Actually, when I think about it, that's what happened to me. When I first was coming to know the Lord, I learned all sinners, uh, or all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He failed to say, oh, by the way, Jesus Christ took your sin on him at the cross. I worked my way to heaven for a couple years before, before I understood <laughs> the truth of your, like, your, spinning your wheels here and getting nowhere yeah so hard words do not have to be harsh words it's just it's so big for me recognizing that okay the holy spirit convicts but that feels different from the condemnation and guilt put on me by the enemy and that there's a real difference and it is truly like the bible says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance and so there's that big gap between us being the judge and the jury and everything like that and God's grace and sufficiency through Christ coming to tell us these hard things that we have to hear and we have to apply to our lives. It's really good. And I just, it's really catchy. Hard words don't have to be harsh words. words. The other thing, as, as you're talking again, I'm thinking about how, how we respond to people. So conviction is a big gift from God because for one thing, it says he's at work in our life, but guilt brings shame. And so when I'm the one pointing at people saying you're guilty without giving them the good news that that sin can be taken care of by Christ, then I am the one who is being harsh. And I'm not pleasing God when I do that. Right. right. He's yeah, a good God. God. He is a good God. He loves us so much. It's really the excellent parent keeping a child from running in front of a truck. Amen. <laughs> yes, it's protective. Yeah. In that moment, in that moment, that parent may be full of animation and even screaming and hollering. <laughs> and snatching. Is... <laughs> yeah, right. But the goal is the kindness to not yes. let the child be hit by the truck. You know, Amen. so absolutely there's a difference in how we come about that. I love, I love that. Pride blinds us to our own flaws and to the strengths of others. My husband is the most dear man in the whole world. And I came to Christ before he did. And that was a real matter of pride for me, mm. which I did not really see until one day when the Lord shone this very bright light on him of how generous and how kind 
compared to me. He was. And, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I'm the social worker. I'm the one who does everything for the children. I'm doing your laundry, but you're the good guy. And God really convicted me of my pride because it truly had blinded me to these really fabulous qualities in my own husband that he was encouraging me in. And I'm thinking, I got my own stuff together. I don't need you to tell me. And that was something that the Lord came back to and back to and back to until he really broke my, my pride. It started with the understanding of sin, but then he kept, you know, that doesn't take it all. And he just kept whittling away. And that was one of the big ways I could see how my pride had blinded me to my own husband's real genuine character traits that were good. Pride is pretty sneaky sometimes, and it just kind of gets in there, and we don't even recognize that we've got it going on. But there are there are signs and signals of it. And I like how I like how this quote: "Pride blinds us to our own flaws and to the strengths of others." So it's not only that I'm great; it's that you're not so great. We have, either of those, we have either of those thought processes going on. We probably got to step back a little bit. Exactly. And I think that's because it inflates me. I feel better about myself if I oh, think right. you're not so much. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Rather than rejoicing with those who rejoice for, yes. hey, buddy, you got trouble. And I'm liking it. There's a verse that says, a foolish man in his pride does not look to God. And I just think that that is the reverse then of the humble man who's continually looking to God to say, you know, search me and see if there's trouble in me. And also, where is it that I can express love and joy and appreciation for the people around me? Right. And I I need him. I need his strength. I need his character. I need all of that. Mine mine hasn't gotten me so so far. (laughs) But his is good. When we keep trying to earn it ourselves, we yes. realize quickly this is not going to work. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, this has been so fun. Thank you, Beth. Yeah, thank you. That went fast. I know. It always does. If you want to learn more about Beth, you can go to womenspeakers.com, click on Pennsylvania, and she will come right up there. Otherwise, her own website is Beth Bingaman. It's two A's at the S, Beth Bingaman.com. <laughs> and uh, you can learn lots more about her over there. Twyla Belk, also known as the Gotta Tell Somebody Gal, is a writer and speaker who loves bragging on God. Her seventh and most recently released book is a devotional called The Power to Be. Learn more about Twyla at her website, gottatellsomebody.com, or at womenspeakers.com. Just click on the state of Iowa and she'll show right up. Sir, welcome to you, Twyla. Thank you, Marty. It's great to be with you today. It's good to have you. And I just have loved your ministry. I think I met you first. You you um, were Cecil Murphy's personal assistant for years and years. And still am. Still, still am, are. but he's transitioning to retirement. He's almost there, but he still has me <laughs> for That's a while awesome. yet. That's awesome. Yeah. And then uh, you are an author in your own right. You've written several books yes. and a speaker. Love promoting you at womenspeakers.com and enjoy having you here with us today. So we are going to go ahead through some of your favorite aha moments and share them with you guys because I just always love the depth that these bring to life. Mm -hmm. Just kind of taking a whole life and and getting some of the gold out of it right here on air. Whatever we focus on becomes magnified. 
Okay, whatever we focus on becomes magnified. We have a lot of negative messages that come to us every day. Could be through our life circumstances. It could be through Facebook or the media or whatever. And whatever we are experiencing, if we focus on those things or what we've heard, they, they tend to um, overwhelm us and start to control our lives. And they, they become magnified in our lives. But if we turn our focus on to God and think about him, he becomes magnified in our lives. And we think about, remember who he is, how big he is, and what he's able to do. And so I would rather to have God magnified in my life than my circumstances because uh, it can be, yeah. get pretty ugly. You think for a magnifying glass or a microscope, and you think, wow, you know, that's exactly what we're supposed to be doing with God. We're just supposed to be looking more closely, look more intently at him, and then the rest yeah. of the yuck just kind of has to fade away because he's in the center. <laughs> yeah, but, it, you know, it takes a lot of resolve to do it, a lot of effort. It's not easy. I will admit to that because sometimes we just want to have a pity party and dwell in our circumstances. And uh, so, but we need to turn our attention elsewhere and we can get our attention on the right things. You know, Philippians talks about uh, thinking about whatever is pure and lovely and admirable and excellent. That's God, you know, <laughs> if we think about him and uh, those good things, um, uh, yeah. our attitude, our life, everything goes in a much better direction. Because I know God, I can cease striving for control. Well, most people are familiar with the verse, be still and know that I am God. And uh, the new uh, American Standard Version says it this way, be, um, be, cease striving and know that I am God. And I'm a person who likes to be in control. I think most people like to be in control of things. And when things are out of control, it's like, ah, what do we do? You know, because we like to have it all together. But sometimes, well, most of the times, life is not under control. And, and as hard as we try to get things under control, it's not going to work. And there are times when life gets so overwhelming to me. You know, I'm thinking, you know, I've got uh, so many pressures hitting me from every side. And it's like I can't control the health issues. I can't control my husband's health. I can't control uh, the finances. I can't control things people do, and I just, you know, Lord, I can't control this or this or this or this, but I can look to you who is the controller of all things and know that you're able, and it's a releasing. We just have to release things to him. When I pray, a lot of times he'll give me the message. He'll whisper in my ear, you don't have to strive. You do not have to strive, and so I try to remember that because you know, ultimately, he, he takes care of everything. I do not have to strive on my own. He's in control. He is in control. For all of us control girls, I have a saying that we're, we're all hopefully addicted to the delusion that we're in control of anything. Yeah. <laughs> we, we can't keep the world spinning. We can't do no, it. But, you know, it feels so much safer to know what's coming and to oh, know, yeah. that, you know we're ready for it. And it feels very unsafe not to. And so that's where the faith comes in. I am who I am is a present tense God. I have no reason to worry or fear because he is with me right now. Well, when I went to grade school, I, I don't remember a lot of what I learned there, but I do remember that I am is present tense and God is a present tense God. In Exodus, he was talking to Moses and Moses is, you know, bringing a lot of stuff 
up to him, you know, all the, these things, who am I and all this stuff. And God says to him, I am who I am. And uh, that message is for us today because he's present. He says, this is my name to be known forever. You know, and we're supposed to pass it on to generation to generation. And when God says I am, he means I am faithful. I am trustworthy. I am true. I am provider. You know, and it, the list goes on and on. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. When God calls himself, I am, his message for us is this. I am sufficient. I am able. I am faithful. I am trustworthy. I am the God of details. I am God of the impossible. I am always with you. I am confident. I'm the comforter. I am the counselor. I am healer. I am sustainer. I am the one who created you and knows you better than you know yourself. I am your provider. I am your strength. I am your shield. I am your hiding place. I am your burden bearer. I am your source of peace, joy, hope, and rest. I am your all in all. I am love. I am life. Besides that, mm. I am all powerful. I am all seeing. I am all knowing. And I am accessible. I am who I am. And I love that you like what you say in the present tense. This isn't the God of the Old Testament only. This is God right now, right here with me, the God I need to fight for me right now. And isn't it wonderful to know that the God we read about in the Old Testament, he still is able to do the things he did then today. And, um, you know, he he was, is, and will be. He's the same. Boy, we can take a lot of comfort in that, knowing he is, I am. I am unshakable when God is at my right hand. Well, uh, David said in the Psalms, he said, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. And um, so another way I like to look at this is that I have to keep God at the top of my pile, you know, instead of being at my right hand at the top of my pile, uh, because I'm a forgetful person. And for for example, one, one day years ago, it was an August day and I was tooling around my house. It was just an ordinary day. And I thought, something is familiar about this day. And um, I'm a person who has a lot of piles, you know, and, and I thought, you know, um, in the middle of the day, I found a note in the middle of the stack of my pile, and it said um, it was the first day of school, and I had forgotten to take my kids. Oh. <laughs> and, sorry, my, <laughs> my friends and family's like, Twyla, how on earth could okay. anybody do a thing like that? You know, haven't we just gone through a grueling mm-hmm. summer, and, yeah. you know, you can hardly wait to do it. And it's like, I have to keep things at the top of my pile or put a post-it no places or I'll forget about it. It's the same way with God. We need to keep him at the top of our piles. We need to keep him at our right hand, keep our focus on him because we're forgetful people. You know, we tend to forget, oh, he's the same God who did this for me or this, you know, he can do it, but I can be unshakable when he's there. (laughs) I love that story. I have no worries because my heavenly father knows my needs. I have no worries because my heavenly father knows my needs. And in Matthew, it talks about, um, uh, will all your worries add a single moment to your life? Jesus asks that. And uh, I remember a day um, years ago, it was an April day, and, and I was, it was a, a bad day. I was, uh, I was looking frumpy and feeling frumpy. I had just got over strep throat, and I had a speaking engagement later that 
evening, and I was just a mess. I had made an appointment to get my hair done, and I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. And then my friend Ann showed up at the door, and she had been praying for me because she knew I had a speaking engagement, and she brought over supper for my family. And I thought, wow, that was great. And then I mentioned to her that I was going to have a haircut later, and uh, she said, oh, just a minute, I forgot something out in the car, and she came back in handed me a $20 bill. Now, I had told her I didn't know how I was going to pay for that haircut, but God did, and she brought me that $20 bill. So I went to my haircut to get my hair done, and uh, the gal gave me a haircut and a glitz uh, absolutely free. She just wanted to bless me, and I was looking mighty fine, I'll tell you. <laughs> so, and uh, so that day, um, I ended up with a supper I didn't have to cook, uh, a new hairdo, a great new hairdo, 20 extra dollars in my pocket and confidence to make it through the evening. God knew exactly what I needed and he took care of it for me. And he'll do that and he'll do the same thing for, for everybody else if we look to him. So we do not have to worry um, mm. because my Heavenly Father knows yeah. my needs. Unless and that is Twyla's biggest problem. I would like to just take you to page 21 and 22 of her book. Choose to trust without understanding where she says. For example, I didn't understand why my first baby was a miscarriage. I had a complex emergency gallbladder surgery when my daughter was three weeks old and I could not carry her for seven weeks. My dad died unexpectedly from a brain aneurysm when he was extremely healthy. A drunk driver's vehicle crashed into the car, into the van on the way home from a church event. My mom died in an accident. This list goes on, you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't a woman who's just sitting here glossing over life and the hairdo is the biggest thing. You, Twyla, you really understand pain and disappointment and you have chosen to live in the presence of God. You know, the, the book title is The Power to Be, not to do necessarily. You do, yeah. but you first be. Um, The subtitle to the book is Be Still, Be Grateful, Be Strong, Be Courageous. The bottom line is trust in a big God, you know, turning our focus onto Him. I can trust God today and tomorrow because He has shown me His ability in the past. He just said, I can trust God today and tomorrow because He's shown me His ability in the past. And, uh, We need to remember God's track record. Again, we're forgetful people. And when we are facing something in our life, whatever circumstances they they might be, cancer or, or, you know, sometimes a whole bunch of those circumstances pile up on us at the same time. I know they do that way with me. And it's like, I need to remember who God is and remember all the things he's done for me in the past. Sometimes I'll write um, uh, what I call... uh, God stuff. You know, I'll write down all my God stuff so I can remember it because I need to look back at that and see how he provided every day. You know, and the list goes on and on. It's just amazing. It's still like that. I need to remember those things. And I think about even Moses, as great a man as he is, when he saw so many things that God did, the burning bush, walking across, you know, opening the Red Sea and providing manna every day and all of that. There's a place where it talks about how he just became so frustrated and the people were tired of eating man. They were grumbling and all that. And, and they wanted meat. They, so God, he's going before God and telling all these complaints and stuff. And, and God says he's going to send meat. And Moses said, 
well, how's that going to happen? Pretty much. <laughs> it's like, uh, and God says, well, when did I become weak? Yeah. It's like, we need to remember he's not weak. He, we need to remember his track record. And so even people like Moses who have seen things all the time, huge things, when we get in that mode where we're overwhelmed or, or just weary, we yeah. just need to remember who God is and rest in that. Who I am doesn't matter. Who God is does. Who I am doesn't matter. Who God is does. Again, that uh, I can take it back to Moses on. I can tell so many stories, you know, when God came to Moses and he says, I've seen the, the misery of the Israelites. I, you know, their slavery and I, I'm going to take them into a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm coming to rescue them. And he says, good news, Moses. I've chosen you to make that happen. And then he comes up with all these excuses. Who am I? You know, and that's when God says, I am who I am and, and all this. And Moses has all these excuses. And I call those Moses moments. I've had a lot of them myself. When God called me to play piano for BSF, I said, who am I, Lord? I'm just a scriptural pianist. My right hand doesn't know what my left hand is doing. <laughs> and when he called me to write, it's like, Lord, don't you remember? I can barely talk. And then he called me to be a speaker. And it's like, Lord, don't you remember that? I, I can't even, you know, but the excuse I gave you for not writing is because I can't talk. And, and then he reminded me that he used a donkey to get his message across. And so he wants me to know that he doesn't want my competence. He wants my obedience. It doesn't matter who I am. It matters who he is. And if he's called me to do something, he will make it happen in his own way. He just wants us to be obedient and to trust him for the results. Twyla, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. I love talking about this stuff. You guys can learn more about Twyla. Her website name is gottatellsomebody.com, G-O-T-T-A, gottatellsomebody.com. And you can also find her over at womenspeakers.com. If you click on Iowa, she's going to come right up there at the top. Thank you for joining us. I hope you have a wonderful day, and we'll see you next time.